Welcome to a new episode of the Excel Magazine podcast. I am Diana Olenik, your host, and today we're going to be speaking about Blue Planet VR. Blue Planet VR was formed in 2018 by Eric Hanson, previously of XR's Studio. That was a formative VR practice specializing in 360 capture technology, cultural heritage, and science visualization content. With a background in design, architecture, photography, and visual effects, Eric finds enormous potential in volumetric VR for creating important and meaningful experiences. So Blue Planet VR is a curated collection of over 40 photogrammetric experiences of unique and powerful scenic and cultural heritage locations worldwide, ranging from Borobudur Temple in Indonesia to Bears Earth National Monument in the southwestern U.S. With a high level of digital production and art direction, BPVR offers compelling 6DOF or 6 degrees of freedom, presence, and mobility within these remarkable locations, some even offering hang-gliding flight experiences over spectacular terrains. Interactive features are used to deepen understanding and insight of these fascinating and unique locations. I promise you this episode is going to be amazing. So if you are ready, I'm ready. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Eric, for being here today. As mentioned in the intro, we are so excited to hear about your personal journey and also the journey that you have undertaken with Blue Planet VR. Please let us know. Great. Well, thank you so much, Diana, for uh, hosting me here. I'm happy to visit with you for uh, for a few minutes. Um, yeah, as far as my personal journey, I think uh, the great thing about the, the world of virtual reality and XR is that we're all kind of experiencing a journey in our careers with it. And uh, this has certainly been, I you know, I, I don't need to go that far back, but I started off as an architect and then I got uh, involved in the film industry here in Los Angeles, uh, helping pioneer digital environments and backgrounds for feature film. And I worked in that field for about 20 years, uh, the whole time trying to perfect uh, or at least uh, achieve a high level of realism in kind of the worlds of fantasy in uh, cityscapes, a lot of science fiction type of uh, work, a lot of major films. And uh, so I was a, a big computer graphics artist, big 3D artist um, that I had uh, started my skills with in design and architecture. So uh, I kind of have always been doing kind of what I'm doing now in XR and VR as far as creating environments and, and wanting people to experience space in important, uh, meaningful locations. So that's kind of what's been driving me. But I will say that when I got started with uh, VR, and I can go on a little bit about uh, in a few minutes about how that happened. But uh, but once I put on a headset in six degree of freedom with a photogrammetric environment, which is what I'm practicing now, uh, it was a stunning moment. And this is about seven, maybe eight years ago now. And uh, it was it represented everything I've ever wanted to do in my career and my creative life. And it just uh, was a magical moment when I first experienced uh, one of our scenes. It was an Egyptian tomb uh, captured with National Geographic on a film project that we were on in Egypt. And uh, by bringing that tomb in, we kind of were just uh, experimenting with real time graphics at that time uh, with the very first Vive headset. 
And I'll tell you, I just had, I had uh, chills down my spine. I was absolutely overwhelmed. I call it my Watson Bell moment with my then business partner, Greg Downing. And it was just a, an amazing uh, thing because I knew that was at, at that moment where I was going to spend all my time in my, the next phase of my career where I am now with capturing real world locations and uh, what I, what I believe are very important and kind of meaningful places and allowing others to uh, try to make a connection to those uh, through VR and uh, with six degree of freedom. Uh, we had done a lot of 360 film before that, working with Jaunt. It was a camera company, you may recall. And uh, and, and I also lead cinematic uh, VR instruction at the USC uh, School of Cinematic Arts. So I've, you know, we have a, a kind of a prior history of 360 filmmaking and storytelling uh, with a variety of kind of visual effects media, a lot of 3D, 360 stereoscopic film, and uh, and some photogrammetry and digital terrain. But it really wasn't until again we experienced photogrammetry in six degree real time that it it all just came together. And I think it's a, a kind of a magical time right now because so much tech has kind of uh, you know gotten very high performance and all kind of converged to allow us to do very, very realistic portrayals of the real world and to truly feel present somewhere else. And uh, so I, I think it's been amazing. I mean, the increase in GPU, the uh, advances in UAV drone tech, um, photogrammetry algorithms, uh, digital camera sensors, um, robotics, all these things that we use in my practice, uh, to, to help realize, you know, uh, or allow someone to feel present somewhere else. And it's just been, and I think I'm a big, big believer in real world versus the world of fantasy. I kind of turned my back on fantasy and film at one point that I can talk about too, but that, um, and I just, I, I'm a big believer, uh, not so much in fictional worlds in VR, although I think there's great opportunity for that. But uh, mostly allowing people to experience uh, real world locations. I think it's just it's magnificently powerful. And uh, so I've kind of in a way I've pivoted away from the world of fiction that I did in feature film. And now I'm working exclusively in trying to find and tell stories that exist around the world, uh, largely in cultural heritage and uh, kind of the outdoor world is uh, I've always had a life that was uh, a parallel life, I should say. Where I've always been an avid outdoor adventurer and explorer. I was a, a advanced hang glider pilot for about 22 years and uh, early in my, my life and uh, was an instructor and competitor and so forth. And just uh, had really explored all over the United States with, uh, you know, exploring uh, via my hang glider and experiencing beautiful sense of space and, uh, you know, and landscape. And uh, so that kind of, I think, is another one of the inspirations that that I got started with with Blue Planet was just the meaning that I pick up from the natural world and from landscapes specifically. I've been a landscape photographer my whole life as well. So that uh, this was a natural extension to kind of take that and to apply it uh, into VR with uh, with photogrammetry specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that background. Sounds, uh, of course, this is something that has been being built for many, many years, and you have a lot of experience there to offer. Thank you so much. Uh, mm. For people who are might be interested in knowing how these amazing experiences are created, 
Is there any sort of pipeline that you follow, any any certain flow of, of activities that you do in the technicals, for example, to create, um, to capture uh, the the images, the photogrammetry, how all of that works? You how 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 is the process, general process overview? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's a, a good place for to, or a good subject to talk about where people can start. And I will say that we were involved with photogrammetry very early on. There was a program uh, called that RealViz, an early company, uh, developed called Image Modeler. And my business partner, Greg, had done a lot of development work on that. Now, this is, we're talk talking probably, gosh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And at that point, um, so we had it in the office. We'd use it on occasion in our visual effects work. And, uh, but it was very, very arduous to use. And I just kind of didn't have the interest because I didn't have the patience for it. You had to set control points manually on every image pair. And it was, it was just a very tedious thing. And the output quality was not tremendously good either. So anyway, along comes something called structure from motion. And this was a research paper that a number of individuals contributed to. Some of it went through Google. And um, and in that case, that was using more algorithm driven uh, kind of reconstruction rather than a manual effort. And that was kind of the beginning of modern photogrammetry where things got a lot easier and the output started getting a lot better. And uh, and then more recently, uh, a couple companies, the kind of all the participating companies, there's, I could list probably four of them that make leading photogrammetry software. All their algorithms started getting amazingly good, too. Um, in the last five years. So today, it's a rather trivial affair to do the capture. Now, not that it's not methodical. It should be, and it can and should be methodical. But in a, in a sense, you could, you could also be very sloppy too. And just take, it's kind of, I always give the analogy of the million monkeys in front of typewriters that create a great novel. I mean, you can kind of take that shotgun approach and just take a horrendous amount of images and probably get a reasonable model from it. But if you're methodical, you'll get something at a much, you know, better level that's more kind of production ready. So, but, but that being said, um, it's not that it's, it's not as demanding or rigorous as you might think. So I have a lot of friends of mine that, you know, enjoy the work that I do and they say, boy, I'd love to come out and see how you do this. And I said, it is not fascinating. Trust me. <laughs> it's just, it's just somebody taking a ridiculous number of photographs. And as a matter of fact, when I'm shooting around groups of, you know, either tourists or people in the public, you know, they look at me like I either have a mental uh, health issue or I'm the world's worst photographer <laughs> because I'm, I'm taking so many photographs. It just mm -hmm. looks like a ridiculous thing to do. But um, but that's what's required. But the other thing about that, about capture is that I'm sure many of your viewers know, you know, this is migrating over to cell phones now. And the uh, the current iPhone has a, a uh, more of a depth-based sensor. But at the same time, it's uh, the beginning of kind of mobile acquisition. And it's great for kind of low-resolution purposes. But we're going to witness a big increase in this in the, the, you know, in the next few years, as well as the rise of new algorithms, uh, AI-driven algorithms like NERF, neural radiance fields, that are uh, will probably dramatically transform how we do our work, too. So, uh, and there's other, other kind of technologies that are kind of floating around as well, using laser scanning and so forth that 
that will probably alter a bit how we're doing things. So I use laser scanning, but there's a certain rendering uh, that's kind of on the horizon with that too. So yeah, some fascinating uh, things. Well, I guess the point is, is that um, it's a, not trivial, but it's a, it's a very accessible way to capture right now. It doesn't require, really just requires a single DSLR uh, with a certain resolution and, and uh, lensing. Um, but it's pretty flexible. And again, your cell phone, if you are somewhere without your DSLR and you have a decent cell phone, you can create, you can capture objects in some locations with pretty good results, you know. So it's not that tough. But again, in the future, it'll become less of an area of specialty for somebody like me. And it'll become, you know, it just kind of part and parcel of how we acquire our memories, right? So instead of photographs that we look at, we're going to be re-experiencing those spaces, whether it's in a headset or, you know, through a device or what have you. But um, it'll really be kind of the end of, of still imagery for, you know, memory keeping and gathering. And uh, it'll become a spatial thing. So it will be definitely, I'd say, in the next five years, uh, it'll transform into that where it'll be very common to uh, to do these kind of captures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. It's just like when initially photography was more like certain, the, the, what the technology allowed at the moment, just black and white and doing all the process with the negatives and all of that. But now it has evolve a little bit more and people enjoy more when there is movement or when they can go into a new experience and um, go back when they were little and experience that city or that place and visit it again and bring back those memories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an amazing media for that. Thank you for sharing that. So how about Blue Planet VR in the context Mm -hmm. of how it was created and how now bringing these uh, more advanced, uh, maybe uh, techniques in order to create the the experience of Blue Planet VR by using these uh, capture uh, processes, technology, etc. How Blue Planet VR now works now that we understand how the capture uh, takes place in in the process. Well, I would say maybe a good place to start with that might be my prior company. It was called X-Res Studio. It stood for Extreme Resolution. And that was uh, forged from, again, I've mentioned Greg Downing, a prior business partner of mine, and we were both visual effects artists in the feature uh, world. And the story I always tell about that is we were uh, in front of a campfire high in the Sierra Nevada mountains in California, and, uh, you know, enjoying some liquid beverages, I'll say, and uh, <laughs> talking about the visual effects field. And um, I think we were both kind of frustrated at that time. And I remember Greg saying, uh, you know, I'm I'm getting rather tired of this. All I'm doing is building New York City and destroying it in feature film. And I thought about it and I, I you know, thought of a few films I've done in New York in. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I have, too. I think we destroyed New York like 10 times over between mm-hmm. the two of us. And, um, and I, you know, I've always had this parallel, uh, life, I think, like I indicated that I always had an outdoor kind of recreation side and I always had my digital life and I never considered merging the two. And, uh, but that campfire was kind of pivotal because we, we kind of, the light bulb went off with both of us and we thought, wow, maybe we can take all these skills that we've built up and feature visual effects work and apply them towards uh, the real world, the natural world. And so we 
kind of set out to do so. And we started collaborating on a lot of technical things. We did a lot of work with gigapixel imaging. We were kind of the first ones to make that a, a you know, a method or kind of a production methodology for uh, either film or print or photography. And that was using robotics to uh, kind of do a high amount of overlap between hundreds or thousands of images to create, you know, some of the world's largest resolution images. And uh, we were hired by what is now Realtor.com to shoot uh, probably about 300 of those types of images all across the U.S. for their website. So that and that launched our company. So we made an exit from visual effects and and kind of headed out to do uh, applications of computer graphics, the kind of things that we like to do, which is, again, capturing environments and uh, and applying those to unique uh, subjects. And then we had probably, I think, 13 years in that company or more that we just did a lot of service work for amazing individuals. We worked with Bjork on a lot of her VR content. Uh, we worked with Ai Weiwei on a fascinating full dome uh, film uh, with New Mexico Arts and uh, just a variety of very, very random but fascinating uh, projects. And we did a lot of work with the national parks, with uh, doing documentation in Yosemite of Gigapixel, documenting the entire valley in Gigapixel for uh, rockfall research. And it was just this, you know, as I always say, we never had a business plan. We just got interesting phone calls. And it was just an amazing, you know, till this to this day, just a bunch of really interesting word of mouth uh, types of types of work. And um, but in any case, after doing that for 12, 13 years, I really had a yearning because I'm a designer by background to do my own content. And we were certainly doing that within these projects. But I kind of wanted to do something that was commercial and that was purely kind of my creation. And that's why I split off to do Blue Planet. And um, so it took me I had already had a lot of these environments kind of captured because we did a lot of our own uh, kind of IP collection of different places. But um, but at the same time, I spent about three years kind of tooling it up in Unity at that time and then uh, and continuing to shoot worldwide on a bunch of during a lot of my travels. And um, anyway, so that resulted in the the application. Uh, I initially brought it out to Steam, Steam VR, and it was uh, designed for the desktop kind of geared up for a 1080 uh, card at that time. Of course, now the, the ceiling will be higher. But um, but I quickly saw the Quest, uh, Quest 1, as being kind of the solution for this as far as disseminating it to the larger public and trying to make a sustainable practice um, based on something I could offer the public. So uh, that's, and that's, in fact, what I did. So I, I uh, you know, got a relationship with uh, Oculus at that time. And uh, was approved for the product, and they helped fund some of it. And then uh, I spent about a year, well, maybe not quite a year. So I basically, I think a year after it launched on Steam, I tooled it up on the Quest and brought that out, I guess, about a year and a half ago now. Maybe not quite that. And uh, it's been very successful, and, you know, it's been uh, an amazing experience to to provide it to people and get uh, feedback from many. Um, I do one, one thing that I always like to talk about with VR though is that I still think that we need a better platform or context to, uh, distribute or kind of cultivate this kind of work because so much of it is gaming centric. 
And I understand why that is from a business level, but there is so much to be done in the areas of natural history, documentaries, uh, science visualization, cultural heritage. I do a tremendous amount of work with that. And, um, it's, there's not, it's kind of like it's not really, uh, brought forth properly against all the gaming content on all the different ecosystems. So I, and one thing I always talk about is there needs to be like a publisher. It's not necessarily a hardware manufacturer that um, may be more arts and culture based. So perhaps uh, like a, a publisher like Toshin is for fine art photography or so forth. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be a, a platform for that for a lot of creators like myself to begin to disseminate the work and, you know, and monetize the work so that we can all have sustainable practices. And um, and I, I don't have anything against gaming, but I don't feel like it's my core audience. Right. I mean, it yeah. can be. But I, I so my big challenge these days, I think, is finding the audience or how to cultivate the audience, because uh, I know there's, a, a, you know, I know who the audience is. They may or may not have headsets. <laughs> Excuse me. So in any case, I think that's uh that's one of the challenges as a creator, at least that I have, and probably several of us have right now, is, again, how to find our audience properly. That's a very interesting point, because recently also I had an interview, and actually they were, they were games creators, but one of them had an interesting narrative and uh, literature, like a, 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 an approach coming from literature from Franz Kafka. I don't know if you mm-hmm. heard about this philosophy. Oh, yeah, very much so. so. Yeah. The metamorphosis. So yeah. I, so they were also, you know, discussing about this. We were discussing in the episode. And I think that is related with that. The fact that there are certain type of works that are for a specific segment audience that are more mm-hmm. artistic or, or the people that appreciate the art more, like the fine arts or these experiences that are related with nature, with history, with geography, mm-hmm. with social sciences and all of this. I think that is absolutely a good point um, to to maybe somebody or, or a, an organization decides to explore this this important outlet that should be there for specialized works like like this one or or specific works like this one it is a little bit difficult when i am browsing on the oculus quest to see what type of experiences there are and it's a little bit difficult that everything seems you know it says apps but there is not something specific for art i mean art in the sense of what you're saying exploring this mm-hmm. um, more more like experience experience i see a lot of games in my in my view in my ui in the oculus for example so that's another example i am also not i don't come from the gaming world i i Mm. like more to explore the social experiences uh, business apps for productivity or work or this type of um, uh, work and i totally agree that there has to be something specifically for this topic because it's a little bit difficult to find Sometimes the apps, when they are all mixed with gaming, and more people come and come for gaming. Yes, thank you for. Well, I think, yeah, I think if we compare this to the to the media industry, to film and television, is that um, the hardware manufacturers are not the arbiters of content. 
Now, so far in VR, that's that's been the case, and it kind of needs to be the case. I have nothing against mm-hmm. any of the manufacturers uh, doing that, yeah. but they, but you know what happened in film is the, the rise of the studio system, right? Where that where content and is its own you know ecosystem and its own uh, financial platform that's not necessarily related to the hardware. Uh, like in other words, uh, back when uh, stereoscopic televisions flat screens came out you know this is didn't live very long you know but this was what 12 years ago or something and uh there's really no content out there to be had for stereo you know conversions so a lot of those manufacturers toshiba whoever they would bundle dvds with the televisions well that's fine but again that's you know it's it doesn't it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be the hardware manufacturers are deciding what you need to watch and again, I have nothing against uh, any of the ecosystems doing what they do. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, yeah. but I'm looking forward to the day when there are distinct platforms that are independent of that, yeah. right? And within did a great job of that. They still do it, although I don't think they're active with it because they're, you know, creating, they're maintaining supernatural. But uh, but within was kind of the first kind of curated portal uh for the arts and for you know uh you know sophisticated work i guess that you know was uh, was very good because it was curated with a great sense of taste um but you know i don't but that doesn't that's not really active anymore so you know and there is vive arts i do know that meta has some interest in education and culture uh google has art, google arts and culture and so forth but none of these tend to end up on the, you know, on the sales platforms, you know, or the stands, if you will. And, you know, the other thing is there is tremendous, as we all know, there's incredible creative work that's done in VR and XR, but it always ends up at film festivals, but it never ends up in commercial offerings. You know, I mean, sometimes there's a few, you know, like uh, uh, Paper Birds or so forth, some really great work that does migrate onto the stores, but generally speaking, it's like the best work that's done in VR, the big, the larger audience isn't seeing only the, the ones who frequent festivals. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, and that's because there's not a context for it and there needs to be. So anyway, that's one thing that I, uh, think about a lot. And, you know, I'm almost at this point ready to partner with somebody to create it because it's just not out there, you know, and, yeah. uh, but that would be great. But in the meantime, yeah, we do, you know, uh, I'm, I am offering this within, uh, Meta's platform and maybe some others and Steam, of course, but, but, uh, yeah, well, I, I think that's kind of where we are at the moment, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the future when, you know, there could be, uh, you know, like I say, the Tosh and a VR that would have nothing but arts and experiential work. Um, you know, so anyway, but that's, that's one of the challenges, I think. If, trying to be a creator right now that uh, with a sustainable practice. Yeah, thank you. You Thank you for bringing that forward. Yes, we definitely like to have those reflections and uh, to learn more about the industry and how it really is. Thank you so much. So um, my other question is, in order to create a platform like Blue Planet VR, so beautiful, so sophisticated, with all your background in film and all of this is amazing, I'm inviting anybody to uh, get the experience. 
because it's very, as you mentioned, it's very transformational when you're there in the space and are going through through these different places that you might not even be able to travel physically because of mm-hmm. some reasons, maybe um, restrictions or, you know, people cannot travel at some point, they, or there is not enough time, etc. So mm-hmm. this is this is actually also very good in terms when in terms of when we want to assess first if we would like to actually try that place or not or how we would we we would feel in that place so it has a lot of uses in order to travel ahead and then decide if I really want to pay the final ticket to go there and arrange the whole trip so that's mm-hmm. a good entry point also as well um but. Building an app like this one or a experience like this one, um, I imagine there is a lot of actual development, you know, like coding and all of these type of processes. How how did you go about creating this? Uh, did you get a team of developers or did you do it yourself or how how was that part, like creating the whole experience? Yeah, yeah. Together? Okay. No, this has been kind of a solo enterprise for me. Now I do have a, uh, a key programmer and kind of UI developer that is, that I work with, Keshav Prasad, who's a, uh, recent graduate from the program that I teach in at, at uh, USC, uh, in the interactive division. It's called IMGDB. And that, uh, that's a program that, uh, a lot of people come out of in the past with Unity expertise. And, uh, now with UE. So, but, uh, and that's kind of split between gaming and, and those interested in interactive media as either an art form or, uh, you know, kind of more on the research side or, you know, something non-gaming centric. So a lot of my students that I'll get will be from that division as well as animation and digital arts, which is my division, um, or film production. And even better than that, I get students from all over campus. And that's one of the, the beauties of VR, I, that I've always said, is that it's the one uh, technology or media technology that really can can span across all fields of human endeavor. There's really nothing. I don't. I've never found anything that VR couldn't either assist or provide. Uh, you know, something for it's. Uh, it's rather remarkable. When I when I used to uh, exhibit at VRLA uh, years ago, when that uh, that show ran. Um, we get a public day and we get just random, not, not people in the field, but just general public would come in. And this is in the early days of VR interest. And, and, uh, and I got, I saw this pattern happen all the time with general public and that they, you know, they'd be smiling when they're looking at the demo and then they take the headset off and they get this like 50 yard stare over my shoulder. And I, I finally learned to expect, you know, or know what they were going to say next, which was, you know, I could use this for what I do. And I'd always say, well, what do you do? And they'd say, well, I'm in medicine or real estate or something. I'd say, well, give me more specifics. What exactly do you do? And then I just kind of think for a second, pull some, you know, half-baked idea out and say, well, what if you did this with that? And then they would, they would just boom, light bulb would go off and they get so excited. So I think, you know, there's VR is so applicable across the board. I mean, and XR is, you know, obviously as well. And, um, there's just so much, uh, to be done with it. But, but now I'm, I'm trying to get back on topic. We were, what was the subject where we're going yeah, with this? Yeah. About, um, yeah. About, um, the development side on that you got, perhaps somebody help you with, um, one of you. Oh, the development. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah. So in that case, I think I was talking about my support for this. And obviously I'm not a coder. 
that's uh you know i kind of led my career in computer graphics with the belief i'd never have to code i don't know yeah. if that was a good idea or not but, but in any case i do uh you know, Keisha has been in instrumental for me to uh, to do a lot of the scripting and kind of the glue that holds the thing together. And I'm currently moving over to UE like most people, but uh, Blue Planet will probably continue on on the Unity platform for now uh, in any case. And uh, but uh, no, it's been that's been one of the beauties of of this type of work is you can I can kind of single handedly uh, execute, you know, from the shooting to the post production to you know some of the, the real-time authoring and there's a lot more obviously i could do on the real-time especially on the ui ux side um which i'll be investigating more and more but you know one thing i will have to say about blue planet because some people i think misunderstand it is that it's it's a experiential title there's nothing to do in these locations but yeah. really truly admire them yeah, and nice. see if you can find interest or fascination with them mm -hmm. and so i you know uh, oculus uh, wanted to have a bit more uh, kind of contextual information so you're greeted by this informational table that gives you some of that so you can kind of understand why you're in this place or what is unique about it but uh, but it's not a goal driven thing. And it's, uh, you know, so as a result, the UI, what I've done with the UI is purposefully kind of negated. I don't want to have gadgets and things that fascinate you. And I don't want it to be a selfie, you know, kind of uh, Instagram tourism based thing. Um, I want it to be something where the technology is minimized. Uh, to where, because that's the beauty of photogrammetry is there's nothing synthetic in it, right? I mean, it is synthetic media, but the content is purely, you know, realistic uh, yeah. from the light to the form to everything. So, so, you know, I'm trying to do, trying to negate that. Well, a lot of people think the UI is too primitive, but it, in fact, again, I kind of want it to be that. There are great options though. For either, uh, and I, I have some of this buried down into many of the experiences where you can grab or detach sections and scale them down, inspect them, maybe get some other information. So there's a tremendous amount of educational UI that can, can occur. Um, so that's, and that's, you know, I'm just scratching the surface of that. So I think, yeah, there's a lot more to do with things like that. And of course, XR, um, or MR, um, with like, say the Quest Pro, Mm -hmm. is going to open a lot of doors with that as well. So, no, I mean, I still, you know, I, I, I love trying to recreate these locations in the highest fidelity as I can um, and really try to make somebody kind of see, you know, the magic of the place. But, um, but yeah, I've, I've got a long way to go. There's still so many more things I'd love to do with all this and will be. <laughs> that's amazing yeah that was gonna be sort of like towards towards the end one of my questions is where do you see blue planet vr going where do you see it in the future or what's your vision or your plans if you can disclose anything um what what type of improvements are you bringing to blue planet vr or changes well i still continue to do a lot of uh not pure service but more kind of collaboration work on the outside that's kind of at the periphery of Blue Planet um, uh, with a couple of very amazing projects that have not really been mm, not, not terribly uh, public yet, but the, uh, but those will, you know, I, I, well, let's put it this way. I think 
I think those could be could be uh, Blue Planet could either act as you know distributors or maybe some type of uh, some of that. Well, actually, I'll have a big release. I will uh, say next uh, May at uh, Mountain Film in Telluride, we'll be uh, setting up a large display of some of these projects along with Blue Planet, and that'll be kind of a big coming out for some of these projects. But but ultimately, I think what I've Blue Planet has been a you know largely experimental to see if I can gain that audience, locate and have a loyal audience that will continue to support the creation of you know I've got a myriad of other application ideas and um, that I would love to expedite. Now all those require funding or support, um, but I I I really am enjoying being independent. And uh, so, therefore, you know, if I can use uh, the revenue I'm getting from Blue Planet and put those into these these next projects, that's my goal yeah. is really to make this kind of a self-sufficient way to do the exact creative work I want to do. And uh, and I'm you know, this is clearly what I'm where I'm going with this. And I've got like I say, I've got so many things kind of irons on the fire right now that um, will be uh, supporting all this. So some of this will be more clear when I publicize it. But um, but anyway, yeah, I think I'm really just trying to find an audience and, uh, you know, and then I can use that branding to continue to uh, create more projects. But again, I always am always looking for great collaborators. I love, this is not, I don't mean to indicate that this is like, uh, you know, I'm a hermit in a studio or anything. I, I collaborate with people constantly. And uh, that's one of the great joys of this work, right, is uh, kind of people bring different talents to bear. And, you know, this is always the beauty of working in the film industry because you're surrounded by incredibly talented people. And it's the power of many uh, far exceeds the power of one. And uh, so that, you know, and that's that's a big part of this, too, is always looking for great collaborations that we can do, you know, significant work with. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all your experience, your insight. It has been fascinating to see how you've been participating in so many artistic works and your career. So, um, wide, uh, in, in this interactive media arts field and for sharing mostly about Blue Planet VR and where it is going. Thank you so much, Eric. I wonder, do you, um, Feel that you wanted something else to be asked today? Did you, did you, do you feel that you want to add something else or any? Well, I can talk for hours, but I think <laughs> we probably covered kind of the general, you know, why and, you know, what and how I'm doing all this. But, but the, uh, I mean, the only thing I would add is there'll be a big update to Blue Planet coming up probably first of the year, I think, but I'll have, uh, 20 more scenes coming. Yeah. in sets of volumes uh for a small fee and then i'll just keep it uh, i'll keep adding to that so i'm revising the lobby ui to accommodate new content and uh so that's very exciting i have 20 rather remarkable places uh from around the world that i've uh, been developing and that that'll be coming out shortly so yeah i think this will be uh you know i this is not a one uh, uh you know a uh, static project i'll always be bringing out new content uh probably probably at least once a year maybe more than that you know and uh so anyway so keep an keep an eye out and uh yeah yeah like i I say any anyone that that has interest in this i'm always looking for collaborators for 
you know, where this can go. And, uh, you know, like I say, there's a, a lot of power in different people's ideas. And that's one of the, that's what I tell my students all the time is, you know, the, uh, there's a great quote. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll end on this. There's a fantastic quote. And I wish I knew who to attribute it to. I only heard it. I don't know who sourced it, but, um, the quote is that VR is theater before Shakespeare. And I think it's a fantastic quote because we have the technology. We need the Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. You know, we need that. We need the powerful work that makes someone want to go out and spend hundreds of dollars on a headset. You know, that's kind of true, but it's not entirely true. And, uh, so, and that's, that's what the other, the other thing I say about VR to my students is there's no veterans. I mean, I'm a veteran, but it's not like, uh, you know, 40 year film veteran or something. So, uh, you know, there's any one of us can come up with remarkable ideas and kind of change the field. Right. So that's, that's the exciting thing, especially for my students, right? Cause they love to hear that. And, uh, cause they're motivated to, to do something very unique and original. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's, but that's one of the things I love about this field. It's super democratic. It's very, it's a great community. Everybody shares. Um, it's not, you know, hugely competitive. It's just kind of like, well, what did you learn? Oh, I don't know. What did you learn? Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's very kind of, you know, we're all kind of on even ground, which I, I love about the field. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll kind of leave on that. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. I am really, really strongly suggesting anybody to try Blue Planet VR and, um, if come up with a supportive growth idea or any, if you have a business platform, et cetera, that you'd like to bring forward any idea or something to Eric to reach out. Um, I believe you have uh, the website. What is the website that they can reach you through? It's actually just blueplanetvr.com. Okay. Yes. And so all the information is there, even past interviews, uh, all the contact information. But mm-hmm. definitely download Blue Planet VR, experience it by yourself, and get immersed in these beautiful sceneries around the world. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eric. It has been a pleasure to be talking to you today. And with this, we finish the episode and I invite you to tune in for the next one. Thank you so much and bye for now.